Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Inspired by a pastime for washed-up celebrities, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast whose magic eight ball always says, ask again later. Tough enough to drink napalm to soothe his heartburn, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you for joining us at the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. It is a true pleasure to have you uh, with me today as I discuss all the ins and outs of Medicare, and especially as I try to make people feel comfortable and confident with that uh, impending line that they're approaching those of you who are approaching the decisions that you're going to have to make to enroll in Medicare, uh, I discovered quite a while ago that this is a government program that not only is very confusing, but also the government has decided that they don't really want to spend any time or effort explaining it to you. So they create this monstrosity and then throw it out there and make everybody learn how to deal with it. I have been inundated with people lately who have read my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever, who agree that it is the simplest and easiest guide ever. And I am collecting their tributes, <laughs> their uh, their testimonials for use in a future book so that future readers can understand that I have simplified successfully the Medicare process simplified for most people. There are a few people that have um, complicated situations, but um, most people will find my book uh, to be very helpful and to explain a lot of confusing things. And then, of course, during the course of a year, I have people saying, I was confused by this, and that allows me the opportunity to go back and change something for the next edition. And right now, I am working on the 2023 edition, which I hope will be even more helpful than the 2022 edition was. We'll have to wait and see, though, won't we? Because I'm still feverishly working on that in my spare time. Anyway, if you want to acquire a copy of my book, or either for yourself or for a loved one or a friend uh, to to uh, give us a gift, please go to either barnesandnoble.com or to amazon.com and search for Medicare for the Lazy Man. Look for the 2022 edition because they won't let me take the old ones off. So you can get confused and get an out-of-date uh, edition of the book accidentally. So look for the green 2022 on the cover and soon it will be a purple or orange. I haven't decided yet. 2023, you may get a hardcover book for $17, which is uh, suitable for gifting to your friends and loved ones. You may get a paperback book, which is the, by far the most popular seller. And that costs about $8. 
you may get a Kindle or electric ebook. Uh, that would be $3.80 loaded right into your Kindle. Or you may hear me read the book to you for, hmm, I think it's like 5 or $6. I'm not 100% sure. But if your learning process involves listening to somebody recite knowledge to you, uh, sounds dry, but I think on the whole, the people who have uh, purchased that edition of the book have uh, used it successfully, have enjoyed it. Now, next year, there's going to be a big surprise because I'm wrestling with the proper way to introduce a new book reader, a new um, uh, voice uh, artist, uh, vocal artist. So I'm hoping that um, that will make the interesting, the interest factor a little higher on the 2023 book, but we'll see. That's just something to look forward to. See if I solve this problem successfully. And what I always love to do every podcast episode that we have, I've never had one that I didn't do this. I don't think is uh, to introduce my friend and my uh, podcast engineer, Randy Carson. Hello, Randy Carson. Doug, how are you doing today? Well, I am just fantastic. I wish everybody agreed with that assessment, but unfortunately, I've been married a long time, and there's always somebody to snap me back to reality. How are you doing well, today? I'm I'm great. I don't know. I have no explanation as to why, but I, for some reason, I woke up this morning, just I felt great, got some sleep. As the old expression goes back in the Midwest, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and just ready to attack the world. So if whatever I did last night must have worked. Well, that's a wonderful thing, and I'm happy to see it. I hope it continues because I know that that's a, that's a great way to start the day. I, on the other hand, tossed and turned and woke up with some rheumatiz or something. I'm a little stiff and sore, but it may be this, uh, this Arizona weather the last two days are rainy and uh cloudy and dreary and all of a sudden today it's kind of sunny so i think maybe my bones and joints are confused so well you know it's funny you say that because i'm sitting here looking at my uh kin not a kindle but uh it's it's a weather station so to speak uh it's a ring device for anybody that has one echo show and it tells me that it's 62 degrees out. And as I always whine about this, and Doug knows this, I always whine about it because 62 degrees in Randy's world is Arizona freezing. Yeah, we're looking for at least 70, aren't we? I prefer yeah, well, 72 even or more, Even more than that. But like, for example, last night, I just got chilled for some reason. Uh -huh. and I, 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 you're going to laugh, but... I had the temperature up to 75 in the, in the house and I still couldn't get warm. I was sitting there with a freaking blanket over my shoulders. Like I was about 800 years old. Well, you guys, you guys, you and I are like, uh, you know, brothers from another mother because our, uh, now you have to understand the physics surrounding thermostats, but I have our thermostat set at about 78 degrees. One yeah. degree, one degree warmer, and I start to get major complaints from the other residents in the house, namely the <laughs> spousal unit. One one degree colder, and I'm miserable, and I sit around with a blanket yeah. wrapped around me. Uh, however, what we do, we've got a fireplace in the living room where we watch TV, and um, a big giant uh, ceiling fan, and so I turn that fan on slowly, and as the fireplace heats up the air that rises to the ceiling, the fan pushes it down where we are, 
and uh, it's it seems to solve the problem at least for a while. Well, I've got a question. Given we're talking about temperature and thermostats and all things technical, why is it, in your opinion, Doug, is that 75 degrees in the wintertime feels cold and 75 degrees in the summertime feels way too hot? I don't know. And frankly, that's a really good question. It's all, I think a lot of it is mental, I guess. We um, spent five days in California over Thanksgiving visiting the daughter and uh, Drew McMillan's parents, siblings, and uh, his uh, brand new daughter, Nora. And so there were about, I don't know, 15, 17 of us, something like that. Uh, came back to Arizona. The very next day, there was a party on our patio because we've got the biggest patio in the neighborhood. And so we lent it out to a, a, a newlywed couple. She wanted to have a surprise birthday party for her husband. And we had music. We had free-flowing cold beer. We were outside. I'm guessing the temperature was in the low 60s. It was not particularly sunny. And yet, when your mind is taken off of the um, the cold air temperature by uh, socializing with friends and um, you know getting a snootful and hearing some uh, country music, it uh, turns out that I forgot that I was cold. I forgot that it was unpleasant outside. We had a yeah. great time, and so yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I think but there's you know, a I, mental component to it. I, I I think there is. I'm I'm absolutely certain there is. I on the way to the studio today, I something popped into my head. Doug, we haven't played stump the insurance expert. I'm not sure I'm recovered from our last stump the insurance <laughs> expert go around, but you know I'll I'll be stumped. I'll volunteer myself to be stumped. Uh, should we play it now or should we play it at the well, end of the episode? I, I, I'm going to play it now. Okay. It's it's not a hard one. It's not a hard one. I just, well, there's, this is kind of an announcement on one part, and then it says Stump Doug on the other part. I just thought I would announce to the podcast listeners that uh, as of tomorrow, December 7th, 2022, the zombie apocalypse called open enrollment is over it is over uh actually it'll be over at midnight that night and uh it was uh one of these things where i benefited by because a lot of confusion out there people really thought that their medicare supplement plans fell under the purview of that open enrollment or annual election period aep when in fact the product that i promote and that i sell and that i offer to my clients doesn't have anything to do with that but enough people were spooked and uh, i have a bunch of clients that wanted to get out from under their medicare advantage plans i didn't uh, i didn't spoil anybody's uh, uh knowledge there i just went ahead and took their business as they uh, decided to throw it at me during that period of time good well that's a I, I just had to mention that because for some reason it always it always strikes me as odd that it ends on December seventh. But okay, here's my other question. Now you know, buckle your seatbelt, take a okay. swig of your tea. Here it comes. All right, All right. today, today, December sixth in eighteen eighty four. What happened? Well, that was after Custer's last stand. Does it involve Indians at all? No Indians. Okay. Does it involve? the western u.s nope okay 
Randy, you've got me stumped. <laughs> it's your goal every time we play stump the insurance guy to stump me, and you've stumped me again. Today in December on December 6th, 1884, in Washington, D.C., wash workers placed a nine-inch aluminum pyramid inscribed Las Dio on the top of something in Washington, D.C. That would be the Washington Monument. Yes, sir, it was. Now, here for a bonus question. Okay. What does Las Dio mean? Well, it sounds like a permutation of Latin and Spanish. And uh, therefore, I'm going to say it's those gods. Very, very close. It it means basically praise be to God. Oh, okay. And uh, that that was... Uh, now, the other, the other interesting part is because they thought, at least at the time, uh-huh. that aluminum was, was a very, 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 very precious metal. So that's the reason they topped the Washington Mon- Monument with aluminum. Okay. Well, that's very cool because uh, it was a very difficult mineral, metal mineral to... Um, uh, it it's, uh, comes from an ore called bauxite. And there's bauxite all over the place. I think it might be the most um, plentiful uh, mineral on the uh, surface of the earth. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. However, to turn bauxite, to refine the the ore into aluminum that can be used to build stuff is a very arduous process. So I think that's what made it uh, a special thing that they were able to refine enough aluminum to create something worthwhile out of it. I think later on that problem was solved. Now we have, I worked, I had a summer job in an aluminum extrusion plant. Mary always said that sounds like it's dirty, but basically (laughs) where they, they have pure aluminum billets and they heat these suckers up to about 900 degrees and shove them through a shape in a big press, a big machine. And they come out long, weird shapes but they become screen door frames and um, railings and things like that anything that's really long and then uh, i was in charge of a uh, crew of uh, (laughs) dopes (laughs) and uh, we cut them into the proper lengths you know for whatever was called for the factory was making aluminum door frames that day and so we needed to take our saw and cut them down to the proper length so they could be reassembled into a shape or something yeah, aluminum extrusions. Sounds like a machine that they have at Krispy Kreme. Only uh, it, it does so much. Don't. It does so much more good for humanity at Christmas. Oh, Krispy yes, Kreme. I I totally get it. I totally get it. Well, you know, I am going to uh, say that uh, we've got to move on. Cracking the whip. Cracking the whip. Got to, okay. I, I I also act as the nominal producer of this uh, podcast, so. I would like to say we should probably move on because we've got a lot of great information, topical information, interesting information, and I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Jones right I hope now. the audience agrees about that. I'll tell you, you're going to be hearing a lot of paper shuffling today, and that is because yesterday, yesterday afternoon, while preparing for this August podcast, I spilled a large glass of chocolate milk (laughs) on my pile of papers and somehow uh i got most of the milk wiped up but then this morning i looked and my papers were not only all they turned into parchment 
but uh, half of them are stuck together. So please pardon the uh, extraneous noise that you hear as I go through the documents. I can't wait to make some real progress here and then throw these things away because they all look like chocolate milk stains. So the first thing is I want to get this out of the way because it's a, a sad thing for Randy, and I want to make sure that I don't end the episode with something sad that that Randy finds uh, sad. But uh, as I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, the uh, World Health Organization has decided that uh, monkeys would be offended by the name monkeypox. And so they have decreed that all people must now use the term mpox. And I don't know why we've been talking about monkeypox at all or mpox, but we uh, have been uh, ordered never to use the term monkeypox again. And Randy suggested that we that we refer to it as the uh, disease formerly known as monkeypox rather than the stupid sounding mpox. But anyway, uh, the headline on this particular article is as cases drop. Mpox, and I had to search my brain. What the heck is an Mpox? Oh yeah, monkeypox. Uh, as cases drop, the public emergency will end in February. Now, you know, the World Health Organization is like the the top of the pyramid of all uh, health Nazis, and the Department of Health and Human Services serves as uh, pretty much close to that um, august position in the United States. Not for the world, but for the United States. So they have um, they have plans not to renew the public health emergency status of MPOX after January 31st. Now, I don't know what happens January 31st that makes it less problematic. I, they could do it on January 14th, I suppose, or, you know, it's uh, maybe even December 6th, like today. But no, no, they can't. They don't have any fun if they don't have an emergency to fall back on. So it says case numbers of MPOX or monkeypox have fallen. Um, so they're going to end the monkeypox emergency on January 31st. Uh, in other news, a new mRNA vaccine candidate has also been developed, but experts say it's not mission accomplished yet. Well, I think they could pretty much say that for, for all they've done over the last few years uh, for COVID and uh, Wuhan flu and for most of the other stuff that they have uh, been working on. Military COVID vaccine, vaccine mandate could go, but officials press for keeping it. We have a volunteer Army, Navy, uh, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, volunteer forces that join up. And then what do our officials do? They penalize them and throw them out of the service for refusing to be vaccinated. Now that the COVID vaccine or COVID uh, infection appears to be waning and it's following the predicted path of all, uh, all uh, infections of its type, the new iterations are weaker and weaker and weaker. These morons intend to continue to harass. Uh, I would say heroes are, are, um, very patriotic service members and to chase them around with a needle and try to force them to become uh, vaccinated. And in some cases they should not receive that vaccine, but nobody is allowing for that. There are religious qualifications. There are some physical qualifications that uh, would preclude the uh, efficacy of a vaccine. And uh, these people don't care. 
They just want to make sure that they are still in charge and that everybody follows exactly what their edicts are. Another article here, much of the CDC is working remotely. So how long has it been? Uh, let's see. It's going to be three years coming up, you know, in a couple of months since we everybody panicked and ran home to hide under their beds and try to do their work uh, from home. And what has happened? The CDC is still working remotely. And I was this article caught my eye because right below the headline, uh, it says that could make changing the agency difficult. Well, <laughs> they need to change because they're the mask Nazis that try to force everybody to wear masks at all times. And they created a lot of stress because there are people who love masks and insist on it. And they believed all the stupid lying propaganda. And there are other people like me who realize that the wearing of a mask doesn't do anything to improve public health. The masks didn't do any good. The germs went right through the masks. And um, frankly, we were better off without that additional um, uncivilized civil strife. But right below all of that, in this article, I found it very interesting. There's a magnificently beautiful building, and it turns out that was the CDC Museum. Now, we have a government agency that siphons tax dollars out of the treasury and does God knows what. I'm not even sure that they have a lot of uh, effective uh, things that they perform in return for the tax money that they siphon out of the treasury. But the fact that they have a museum, I find to be a complete waste of their, the whatever budget dollars they're using for that. So uh, the rest of this article is stupid and I'm not going to waste any time on it, but I thought you might want to know that if you're ever in, uh, God, I forget where it was um, in Georgia, in Atlanta, uh, the CDC Museum is in Atlanta. I wouldn't make a special trip to go there, but you might enjoy seeing it. <laughs> Maybe they have a website where you can tour the CDC Museum online. That would be exciting. Okay, we have um, one of our valued listeners is a guy named Steve. I've always enjoyed uh, Steve is just a curious guy, and he's a busy guy, so he's always got things going on. And he wrote and asked, I, there are two different things that, connected with Steve here. One is a good thing. One is a not so good thing. The good thing is his question. He said, hi, I heard where Randy recommended left-hand milk stout if Guinness wasn't available. Left-hand milk stout if Guinness wasn't available. and uh, Or if you just wanted something different, if you're a Guinness lover and uh, you don't have any Guinness, or if you just want something different than Guinness. In checking I see that this company makes several beers. He said in his area, they sell left-hand milk stout nitro and left-hand double milk stout. And his question is, do these pass Randy's approval? I'm not qualified to answer that myself, so I'm going to have to call Randy in and ask uh, whether those two permutations of left-hand milk stout, uh, if you've ever had them or do you like them or do they meet with your approval? The the two additional ones that he mentioned i have uh, i have not had that so let me mark that on my things of things to do it's going to go right to the top it'll be a priority item that i will report on okay provided. well steve is going to be looking for your your uh <laughs> your opinion and i, right. I, I know steve it's well available enough. 
I know Steve well enough to know that he's going to be knocking on our door and asking uh, again if you don't voluntarily take care of that uh, opinion. So I, I will make sure that I wade right into that topic Excellent. carefully. I, I may actually spend some considerable extended research on that. I may have to come over and join you, depending yeah. on where this research takes place. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, as you know, I've got a good friend of mine in the in the distrib- beer distribution business, so I will call him and and find out where all of these derivations of left hand milk stout are available. Alrighty. Well, that's uh, the, I you know that restaurant we were talking about that says that they serve more Guinness than anybody else, but then we realized maybe they were saying they serve more types of Guinness than anybody else. Because it's such a tiny place, I wonder if they have uh, that uh, left-hand milk stuff. I I doubt it. I mean, I'll check, but bottom. Well, it wouldn't be any sort of a conflict with Guinness because the the uh, distributor that distributes Guinness here locally uh-huh. is all is also the same distributor that distributes. Le- distributes left-hand milk stout so it wouldn't be a dis- it wouldn't be a conflict from that perspective. So Is- I will find out. Is there a right-hand milk stout nope. in, a, in some parallel world that maybe we don't well, know about? Yeah, in, in the parallel universe, there is. <laughs> okay. there's, a, there's a right-hand milk stout, a left-hand milk stout, and then there's a, there's a central, pick it up ah. with both hands, milk stout. Okay, I am confused enough right now. The other page <laughs> that I had notes on about um, Steve's uh, other question or problem and i have to say if we call it a problem it's going to be my fault i did this accidentally but these two pages were stuck together with dry chocolate milk so you might have heard me tearing them apart but uh there was a uh, what i do ladies and gentlemen if i'm lucky enough to be uh, asked to be your agent then i will fill out your application your insurance application whether it be for your medicare supplement or for your drug plan your part d prescription drug plan because the lawyers that write insurance applications always throw in a few landmines and if you throw an application a blank application at any average american with a you know even with a like a postgraduate education you're going to find that they have made mistakes when they filled out the application it takes an insurance pro like myself to find those landmines and to learn how to answer those questions in a way that won't raise eyebrows in the underwriting department so what i do is i ask for the information on a really easy to use form and then i transfer that in my own handwriting to the official insurance application. I have my client sign in all the appropriate places, then I send it into the insurance company. I also send a copy of the complete application to the client. So they typically would say, why do I need this? But they're not rude enough to ask me that. They, I say it's for your records or whatever. Steve used it for the right purpose. He went through the copy of the application that I did for one of his family members, and he discovered a mistake that caused some confusion. And so I want to tell you that if you're my client, and I'm hoping that uh, you will be, and you receive a full copy of the insurance applications that I fill out on your behalf, it might behoove you to go through them to see if, uh, if I've done something stupid like I did with Steve's uh, uh, wife, basically. And uh, that was I told the insurance company to take their premiums 
from two different sources. I, for some reason, thought that they wanted the premiums taken from their uh, their checking account. So I filled out that part with all the information about their account so that the insurance company could draw the premium every month from the checking account. And then at some point, I understood that they wanted the premium taken from her Social Security payments. And so I checked that box. And eventually, there was all kinds of confusion. Steve had to finally call me and call attention to my mistake because I screwed up and I had no recollection of having done it. He found it because he had a complete copy of the application. So when he called my attention to it and he told me which one they wanted to do, I would have loved to have been able to help him by correcting my own mistake, but I couldn't do it because of Ted Kennedy and the HIPAA laws. I had to ask Steve to correct my mistake and uh, I'm sure it was inconvenient for him, but I said, I don't think they're going to talk to me about your wife's policy or the payments. I think they're going to only talk to her about it. So I'm afraid that you guys have to call and correct the mistake that I made. So this is my official apology to Steve, to Mrs. Steve. And it's an explanation as to why sometimes I'm not allowed to perform the services that I would normally have performed in a pre-HIPAA universe where the uh, insurance company would talk to me as your agent. But uh, nowadays, your agent, being your agent, apparently doesn't carry the weight that it used to, and it's just uh, an unfortunate set of circumstances. So I'm thinking that I we've only plowed through about half of the things I told Randy we were going to do, and uh, the time is already running out. The sands of uh, the hourglass are slowly being emptied. So <laughs> I think we ought to probably uh, slam the door on this one. What do you think, Randy? You're right. We have used our gas. We have burned our wood. We have used up all of our fuel on the way to the, you know, the closing sentences of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. As much as I would like to continue this discussion, because I there's a lot more interesting, very fun stuff on the episode list. We probably ought to land the plane. But before I do, I just wanted to mention to the audience that we have been talking several weeks about Doug, you know, acquiring his high altitude guide license, you know, for mountaineering. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, he, he got it the other day. And I just wanted to, you know, congratulate him. The only thing that I noticed that they they probably would wouldn't have uh, you know liked to see is that after he got up above you know what was it three thousand feet, you pulled out your oxygen tank. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you right now, any elevation is going to result in a lowering of the ambient air temperature. <laughs> exactly. So I don't like that. I'm going to make sure that I don't suffer any ill consequences. Exactly. Well, we are going to go ahead and shut out this episode. But before we do, there's several things I, I think Doug touched on, but I'm just going to hit him again real quick. Send Doug mail. He loves getting it at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Visit the website at medicareforthelazyman.com. He talked about the paperback that's in progress for next year. But again, Go for the green one for this year. It's the 2022 version. Get an audio, get a Kindle, get any kind you want. But just remember, the holidays are coming and they make a great gift. Also, if you would do us a huge favor, don't forget to find some place to rate our podcast and give us five stars. 
because we really thoroughly enjoy it and it helps all the algorithms around podcasting. So having said all that, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, no more, taking up residence in his fortress of solitude behind Cave Creek, Arizona, and keeping us all safe from the Medicare Advantage zombies. Bye-bye, everyone.